0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And hey, welcome back to another edition of Kevin's Corner. Happy New Year everyone out there not sure how long you can still say happy new year but whatever it's only january 3rd so i don't have anything else creative to lead into the podcast chris presley um how was christmas new year's i guess we haven't done the podcast in two weeks so you and i haven't seen each other in a while but good to see you again man
1: yeah good to see you as well um christmas was good it's always good to see the family good to get away from work a little bit new year's just kind of took it slow this year the older you get the i think i feel like the slower you kind of yeah kind of oh, yeah. take it enough. yeah which is which is totally fine by me uh went down to nashville to see my vols lose to purdue but it was an exciting game Wow, what a game um so yeah that, that that was my holiday season in a nutshell aside from you know a little bit of work uh work never stops obviously and then you had some fun as well
0: yeah i went down to florida with my in-laws we do it every year uh Shout out to, by the way, listener Connor from Ireland, Chris. So yeah. we're at uh you have been to the Marco Island area?
1: I have. Okay. It's yeah. been a while.
0: I don't know why it's so popular for like people from the Midwest, but I feel like you run into people. So we're at the um we're at a bar called the Salty Dog
1: mm-hmm.
0: on, I believe it was a Wednesday night. I'm sitting there at the bar and talking to my brothers in law, and next thing you know, this guy with a thick Irish accent comes up, and I won't pretend to do it, an Irish accent, but it's like, no pod this week? And I'm like, whoa.
1: I'm like, really? Jeez.
0: I'm like, gosh, is that my boss undercover? I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? And uh, Connor was obviously joking, but uh, he came up and inter- introduced himself, and I love chit chatting with him. His, I think I had this right. He married um, a woman who went to the University of Michigan. So sorry about their mm-hmm. dealings on New Year's Eve and whatnot. Uh, but they come to the Marco Island area every couple of years for Christmas. And so um, he explained his Colts fandom to me, which I'm always like whenever I see someone, I met someone outside of the Colts game uh, yesterday from New Mexico. And I'm, I'm always curious how like out of town people become Colts fans. You know, uh, obviously this one being halfway across the globe. And he said that he was fascinated by how the NFL draft worked. And in 2012, with the Colts having the number one overall pick, that's when he became a Colts fan, which, like, you think about it, like, I don't know a ton about soccer, but you yeah. know, predominantly that sport. There isn't a draft, necessarily, of uh, college football, and here you go, booming the NFL. So, yeah, he became a Colts fan then, and um, we talked about hurling, the fastest sport on grass as well. So, shout-out to Connor, and I appreciate him listening to the podcast and always enjoy when people come up and say hi and uh, always makes makes my day so uh, thank you to everyone who's listened throughout the past year and for the years now as this podcast continues to keep going and sorry about no pod last week we did do the kevin and corey morning show a couple of days so try to point people in that direction but now that we're into the new year we'll continue with kevin's corner on a weekly basis uh, however long the season goes and mm-hmm. definitely into the off season as well
1: yeah and quick shout out of mine to tanner tanner's a listener he was at the Vols game. Oh, one, Tanner's a big Vols fan. Yeah, wanted to meet up with me. Not great signal down there at, mm-hmm. uh, in Nashville, especially when you have basically a home game for right. the Volunteers. So, sorry about that, Tanner, but uh, was hoping, you know, the Pacers have been struggling here, to, you know, That's the dumb. Vols lose. I'm like, all right, Colts, thank Notre Dame uh Jeez. They uh, look good for,
0: for a half. Uh, yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to try <laughs> to scratch my back. Chris. Um, I was broke, but I was just
1: hoping that the weekend would end. The last home game of the year, Ty Hilton's last game. We'll see. Um, in terms of Lucas Oil Stadium, wanted to win against the Raiders. Tough loss.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, just a missed opportunity. You know, you're at home. You're a touchdown favorite. You've done so much late in the year to put yourself into that sort of position. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to take advantage. And, you know, Chris, this is going to sound harsh, but there's a compliment on on the end of this, but that was the worst game the Colts have played in months, I'd argue, since week three, Nashville. Now, again, that sounds harsh, but it's also a compliment. Like, they've played very good football, um, you know, for multiple months. We're not, like— all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wait, the Colts are down 10 nothing.
1: When does that happen?
0: You know, I'm not used to that. We're not used to the Colts getting punched in the mouth early, and I think that is kind of what um, frustrates people so much. I thought at times you were the less disciplined team. You know, special teams wasn't. Why is Roberto Sanchez having to make two tackles in a game? You know, yeah. like, just like stuff that the Colts usually control, they didn't control. Obviously, we'll get into Carson Wentz. Um You know, if we would have done a podcast after that Arizona game, went to the play of the year um, to make the play to Desmond Patman, all that, like that is his best play of the year. But having said that, I mean, that third quarter against Arizona, granted there were a lot of people missing around him, was very, very poor. So I just felt like, and I think we've mentioned this pretty often on the podcast, the passing offense has held this team back from being, where they're at right now, which is nine and seven and needing a win in the final week of the season to get in the playoffs. Um, it finally boiled over. It finally simmered to a level where it cost you a football game. Um, you win the turnover battle to nothing as a touchdown home favorite. I mean, you think that's a, that's a layup. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a definite win as well. So not getting any points off those turnovers. I thought were a couple of big plays. Um, But, man, God bless the AFC South because here you are and you've got the slump busters of slump busters waiting for you at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. As of recording, Monday late morning, the Colts are a 15-point favorite for Sunday in Jacksonville. That would be the biggest road favorite in the history of the franchise.
1: That's a steep number.
0: So, theoretically, you've never had an easier road game in the history of the Indianapolis Colts, um, Jacksonville stinks. The Colts are going to roll. I'm I'm not worried whatsoever about this game. Um, so the Colts will be in the playoffs. But yeah, you know, I just think there's a little frustration, Chris. Of you know, I didn't realize this at the time, but like the Colts finished under 500 at home this year. Yeah, you know they went four and five. Now I thought the home schedule was tougher. Yeah. Uh, you know, you lost to Seattle, you lost to the Rams, you lost to the Bucks, you lost to the Titans. like Raider. Like, I mean, none of those losses are like jarring, jarring losses. But like, you know, you would like to be better than that. Obviously, it's another year without winning a, a division. You know, now seven straight years without winning the AFC South. I think those are frustrating aspects to this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I also can sit here and realize that this team has played really good football um, for long stretches over the past couple of months. There are reasons to still think that they can win. In the month of January, how long can they win? Um, what's holding them back from getting on a run? Those are all things that we will get into and that we've addressed, I think, tried to point out at different points in the season. But, yeah, just in general, frustrating. And I, I know we won't get into, like, that place sp- specifically too much, but Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. That's pretty darn special. Pretty, pretty darn special.
1: Yeah. Um, the kid just makes plays.
0: That was that was something, man. Leonard's right there. You've you got to think to yourself. Leonard's probably thinking, my first sack of the year. Here we go. Pad the defensive player of the year resume, all that. And he jumps and Carr pretty calm in that moment. And Renfro, the hell of a catch. Um, and we'll get into that matchup with Kenny Moore. Yeah. Certainly. But, uh, yeah, disappointing, Chris, just because you want to do it in your own building. You want to, you know, let's say Taylor got nicked up. Maybe you can rest him a little bit, you know, in the final. You, you just you don't want to have to go down there and win the game. But, That's where you're at. Obviously there are some other scenarios that we'll put an article up on 107.5 the fan.com, but disappointing to lose your home finale.
1: All right. Let's start with things you didn't like as always coming off a loss. We will start there and then go to things that you did like first thing, obviously Carson Wentz looking at the stats, the way the, the touch on the ball yesterday, just all around that in the passing offense. You just, I think we're all in agreement.
0: Bad. Um, yeah, bad. Very bad. Um, I want to make it very clear from the start. Carson Wentz is not playing with elite personnel at receiver and tight end. This is not just a Carson Wentz problem. At the same time, I look over at the other sideline on Sunday and think to myself, Derek Carr lost his play caller during the middle of the season, lost his number one wideout during the middle of the season, thinks he's getting one of the best tight ends in football back midweek. Then all of a sudden, that COVID situation goes against the Raiders. So Darren Waller's not back. And yet... The Raiders were able to produce through the air like without you know a Jonathan Taylor yeah. at the running back position. I think those are the frustrating elements to where you're at right now with this passing offense. Um, if you look at Wentz's numbers, and I will continue to come back to the key metric that Frank Reich loves to use because it's not passing yards. It's not as much touchdowns and interceptions. The metric he really likes is yards per attempt in evaluating kind of where your passing offense is at. If you look over the past, let me just pull it up. Um, 7.5 yards per attempt is really kind of the key mark for Frank Reich in evaluating what is a, a, a solid passing offense. The Colts have been above that mark twice since week six. Um, including yesterday, that's now six of lower than six yards per attempt in a game. Mm-hmm. That's an issue. I mean, that's that's Jacoby Brissett-like inefficiency in a passing offense. And, again, Brissett didn't have the best running back in the NFL lined up behind him snapping and snap out. So I, I just think that is what is so frustrating to where you're at right now. I know a lot of people want to point blame to – um, or make an excuse, I think, for Carson from Sunday and the lack of practice time he had last week. I think I, I personally, and I and I thought this before the Frank Reich press conference started. I'm like, that's kind of a cop out. The Raiders had two walkthroughs last week, and they looked fine to me. Um, Carson Wentz said in his own presser, he was working out on Wednesday. You know, it's not like he was bedridden yeah. throughout the whole week. And if Frank Reich in his post game cra- press conference, Chris. It's about the closest you'll ever get Frank Reich to calling out a player or or thinking it's a stupid question. Uh, Someone asked him about the lack of practice time for wins last week and if that contributed to the performance on Sunday. I've got the right quote written down here, so I will read it. Frank goes, Obviously, it's always great to get every rep you can, but at this time of the year, you lean on accumulated reps when you have to. It's not uncommon for players this time of year to miss a lot of practice time. It happens all over the league at all positions, for all of us. Those players, whoever they are, have to find a way to come in and still play well.
1: That's a great point.
0: For Frank Reich, that is saying that had zero bearing Mm -hmm. on Carson Wentz's play. Carson Wentz did not play well. That's, again, it's me putting words into Frank Reich's mouth, but having sat through hundreds of Frank Reich press conferences over the years, I think I have a pretty good read. On, on what that says. He said something similar about Jacoby Brissett. Remember Brissett battling that knee injury kind of late in the year? Yes. Uh, you know Quentin Nelson got Cameron Hayward, pushed Nelson into Brissett, and, and they talked about some of that, and that was more physical in terms of a specific injury. Same thing with Rivers last year and that toe injury when Rivers had to miss a little bit of practice as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going there. As an excuse, I think it's pretty lazy. Um, Are you going to sit here and tell me a little bit more practice time would have helped Carson Wentz hit a wide open T.Y. Hilton when, you know, (laughs) everyone in that building, you know, could have hit that. Um, So, yeah, I just thought in general from identifying blitzes, playing off that, um, the deep ball, I mean, boy, you talk about people go to Vegas and dream for luck like that on the deep (laughs) ball that went to you know, two Raiders defenders, and who knows if is Ashton Doolin got his hand in there or whatnot. I thought the third down play, Chris, was really struggling. And, you know, you grade quarterbacks more on third down, red zone, fourth quarter. That's why the third down red zone play that Wentz made to Patman was so special. I mean, if he doesn't make that play, you very well lose that game. Mm-hmm. You settle for a field goal, still one-possession game. Arizona drove the length of the field. They just decided to kick a field goal there late. Um You look at Carr in the fourth quarter yesterday. You look at Wentz in the third quarter, like, or on on, on third down. It's just in those moments, man, I just saw two totally different quarterbacks. So, this inefficiency has continued to boil, has continued to simmer. It's been there. We've tried to make sure it wasn't swept under the rug. A lot of people wanted to sweep it under the rug. I've seen the YouTube comments. Why are you bringing up Wentz after a loss? Because this is festering. This is building, like, We are now seeing this as a trend of his ups and downs. I think you can make a strong argument more downs than ups. Um, And I do put most of it on him. I can sit here and acknowledge that the wideout core and the tight end core uh, needs to do their part. But, you know, Chris, not like we're sitting here and we saw four drops yesterday or, you know, batted balls lead to interceptions off your own wideouts or things like that. So just really disappointed in this passing offense in that they've been – I'm not – acting like this should be a top-five passing offense, or even a top-ten. They've just been a below-average group, and considering that you have the ultimate attention-getter at running back, that's an issue for me. It's an issue for me, and no matter what happens on Sunday, unfortunately, I mean, you can win 60 to nothing on Sunday. It will be the hanging cloud over you getting into the postseason and just how far you can go from there.
1: And you mentioned earlier the second point we want to talk about, the start and the finish. You talked about getting punched in the mouth early, something we've not seen the Colts have happened to them in recent games or if not all all season.
0: Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, maybe it was just startling. So I just thought the start and the finish was so startling to me. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, 10 nothing, boom. Like, you know, the Colts are having some penalties and the Colts are losing the field position battle and uh, the special teams is going to the visiting team. And I don't know, I probably – I look at the Raiders, and it seems like yesterday, those are like the only ways that the Raiders win games. It's like they hang in there, hang in there, hang in there, and then they sneak it out at the end. Or they get blown the you-know-what out. Like, that's kind of been their, their M.O. this season. And I just would have liked to have seen more of a sense of urgency from the Colts and, you know, getting so many guys back. I think the Colts were the healthier team as well. Playing at home. Um Disappointed in that. You know, we – I think pass rush and pass offense is still the one or the two areas where I'm just kind of like, all right, that's where I think this season will come to an end. But I also can acknowledge that, you know, finishing games in the fourth quarter, that's kind of been something that, yeah, we saw it a little bit um, against the Cardinals. But it still has probably been something that we haven't seen as often as you would like this season. Granted, they've built leads early in games, so they've kind of avoided that. But I just thought in general— Sense of urgency. Um, the Raiders played like the more desperate team. And I guess technically they were. You know, they need True. to win. You know, out the Colts weren't necessarily in that position. But I just expect more from a high-character football team. But a lot of self-motivated guys. And, you know, again, the Colts are going to win on Sunday. But it, you, you just <laughs> – you never want to leave it to a 60-minute football game. Um, and that's, that's where you're at right now. So, yeah, I was disappointed in the start. In the finish, I was, you know, I thought about throwing Kenny Moore in this what I didn't like category. The Hunter Renfro-Kenny Moore matchup was clearly a matchup that both teams acknowledged during the week and were content with it. Um, Hunter Renfro is really good. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm not breaking any news here. We all watched him play at Clemson. But he looked like the Pro Bowler, and Kenny Moore did not look like the Pro Bowler on Sunday. And to me, Moore always sets the tone early in a game. He always, I feel like he always makes an opening play drive that just puts you in a comforting feeling if you're a Colts fan. Mm-hmm. And he got beat twice for critical plays on that opening drive, and I just thought to myself, man, um, this could be a little bit longer afternoon. Obviously, the play at the end, just unbelievable. Car to keep it alive. I don't really fault more for that, but, um, yeah, start start and finish, man. Just very, very, very disappointing.
1: All right, let's jump over to things that you did like and take away from that game as we head into, hopefully, what will be a win against Jacksonville and then into the playoffs. The first one, Leonard's ball production.
0: Yeah, um, Darius Leonard, of course, what he was able to do in the interception, you know, goes into the turnover category, but that forced fumble he had early in the game, Chris, strip Marcus Murray on the sideline, forced the third and one, they don't get a first down, boom, false start. Now they're back to third and six. I think Pay maybe had a sack coming off that. Uh, and that was a huge play. And then the Leonard pick, of course, yeah. set you up in great field position, and you weren't able to cash in on it. So I wanted to make sure that we mentioned Leonard here. Of course, you, you needed one more play from him. Um, and I know that sack, you know, is, he's going to be lamenting that for sure. But I just thought in general um, what Leonard's able to do from a turnover standpoint it's been damn impressive all year long and should be a first-team All-Pro.
1: And this is not to take away from Darius whatsoever, and obviously he uses everything as motivation, so if he wants to use this, then then so be he it. He uses everything, man. I feel like I've never seen someone more run laterally after they intercept the ball than Darius. Say that again. I feel like he runs east and west instead of north and south. after, And a lot of times it looks like he's trying to run over to a corner to pitch it because he knows – Hey, you're faster than me. <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the, the ankle, it, it was interesting. I'm like, man, how
1: much is he, you know, again, how much
0: is it there? Uh, but that interception, I thought he did a great job in just reading the mm-hmm. eyes, you know, uh, uh, of that and then making the play as well. So um, I wanted to make sure that we um, that we mentioned Leonard and give him the credit that he deserved. Absolutely. I thought Buckner made a couple plays. I thought his rush was pretty pretty solid. You know, Quiddy. Got involved, I still would like to see it a little bit more dialed up. Maybe I'm nitpicking a little bit, but that's just me there. Uh, back end, you know, Rodgers had to pick. I thought there were a couple times where Rodgers did get beat pretty handily, though, um, with some other plays as well. Rocky Seen, you know, made a couple nice plays. Um, we'll see about Xavier Rhodes and his health. Um, so, yeah.
1: All right, let's jump to Twitter questions. First one comes from Bailey. Uh, says, no, this is probably going to be the talking point most of the day in terms of Carson Wentz. So what are your thoughts on Reich's personnel choice on the final drive? They feel like it would have been nice to have the MVP on the field to win the game.
0: Okay. Um, so I felt like Taylor was on the field for a good amount on that final drive. Um, I need to look that up. So, Bailey's probably referencing that second and long run or screen to Hines maybe there at the end. You know, I'm not going to nitpick too much with with the Taylor usage. You know, at some point, Chris, your quarterback has got to win you the football game. And uh, I got it right here. So, you ran Taylor on first down. You got it to second and nine. Um, and then you went with the screen to Hines and dump to Hines. You know, if Taylor gets stuffed again and the Raiders sell out on the run, now you're looking at another third and eight, third and nine with Wentz, and those have been disastrous all day long. Yeah. So now you're looking at an even longer field goal for Badgley. Granted, you know, he did end up making a longer field goal, but I'm just trying to put myself in a little bit of, you know, Frank Reich's shoes here of you you, you want to pound Taylor, you should pound him. But there also comes a point in time, Chris, where you got to have your quarterback make – I feel like Derek Carr finds simple so much better than Carson Wentz finds simple. And I know it's very easy to watch one game and, like, just kind of take that away. But it just seems like with Wentz, he struggles to make kind of the easy play. Um, Keep a drive alive. uh, Move the chains a little bit. Take your five, seven-yard completion and hope a guy can make something after the catch. Put the ball placement on the right shoulder let that guy run after the catch things like that there so I I don't you know Bailey If I'm not going to nitpick to the point where the Jonathan Taylor usage on the final drive I thought he was out there a good amount you know maybe one of those runs there on second down but again your your passing offense has got to be able to get you in a spot to where it is not pounded with Taylor for 40 times a game
1: Cameron wants to know what was more damaging Carson Wentz overthrowing a wide open T.Y. Hilton in crunch time or Kenny Moore getting abused all day by Hunter Renfro?
0: Boy, that's a good one, man. I mean, honestly, if... Um, I don't know if our listeners know this, but if Kenny Moore's performance on Sunday and Frank or, uh, Carson Wentz's performance had a kid, that would have been me in that uh, shrimp-eating contest.
1: <laughs> yeah, congrats to you on, on completing that. If you guys don't know... Kevin was in the St. Elmo shrimp eating contest yesterday.
0: Well, thank you for saying completing it. Uh, did not win. No, um, hate spicy, hate shrimp. Uh, tried shrimp for the first time in my life two weeks ago or a week ago, and don't know if I'll be dabbling back into it anytime <laughs> soon. Great. Yeah, I try to shovel about four in my mouth right away.
1: Yeah, I feel like you got to go quick, though, because once that heat hits you... Dude,
0: whoo. next thing you know, you know the heat, but it just stings you. Like, that's the thing. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Because, yeah. Boy, there was a moment about 15 seconds in where I'm like, dude, I'm about ready to hurl. Luckily, I bought some milk at a gas station on my drive down there. Someone told me, you got to drink milk. Smart. So I chugged the milk and made sure to keep it down. Can you imagine if I would have puked in front of 200 people there in that tent or whatever? How many, um, did,
1: you, how many did you get down?
0: Well, so Mark... I thought I got down five, maybe six. Uh, they said I lost by one, and, and Mark Mark claimed he did eight. Now we had Jeff Saturday on the morning show today. And Jeff Saturday said there's no way he could do more than about eight in a minute. And he said that I would I was Tart Glenn-like. He said Tart Glenn was not a great eater. Really? And I'm like, wow. I, I, the fact that I'm getting compared to Tart Glenn right now in the eating department. <laughs> you talk about things to add to your LinkedIn. Yeah. That's big time there. So. That made me feel a little bit better. Uh, more damaging, it's got to be the Wince overthrow. I know a lot of people are like Hilton would have scored there. He wouldn't have scored there, but that would have been a you know thirty yard play, something like that. It would have been a big play there. Um, you know, Kenny Moore. I, I just have such high expectations for him, Chris. I get it. Renfro is a terrific route runner. He's quick. He's fast. He's shifty. He's all those things. Him and Carr are clearly on the same page. Yeah. It's you know poetry watching those two work. But I just, I trust Kenny more more than maybe any football team football player on this team, and so for him to have gotten beaten five ish times, you know, in those situations, I think that is what is frustrating.
1: Next one comes from Big Bama. Wants to know: Do you think that Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers, having different skill sets, you would like to see Coach Reich do a little bit more in terms of getting the ball out of his uh, out of Carson's hands quicker, like he did last year with Rivers? Or do you think Carson just has to do a better job reading the defense post-snap?
0: Yeah, I, well, I think it's post and pre. You Something we talked about, we, we, we broke down at the start of the year, kind of strengths and weaknesses of Wentz compared to Rivers. And the biggest weakness I think I put down was timing, rhythm, ball placement those aspects you take for granted when you watch quarterbacks play the game of football. It's the flash that we see. You know, that's that's what we see. Those are the highlight plays. Uh, those catch our eye the most. But it's the ability to, all right, they're bringing this nickel blitz. That means I need to slide Heinz here. That's going to create, you know, Mo Alley is the hot read, whatever. I just don't think, I don't think Carson does a good enough job in that area. And then when it comes down to it, That's when the ball placement on the underneath stuff and the crossers. And that really showed up a lot last year in Philly. A lot of Philly people are like, this was a big problem for him last season. So, um, you know, Wentz has a higher ceiling. He does versus Rivers. But in terms of what was Rivers' greatest strength, it was that. And I think that gets back to the quick rhythm stuff that you just don't see.
1: Colts Maniac wants to wish you a happy new year. Oh, happy new year to you as well. His to him, accuracy isn't Carson Wentz's biggest concern. It's are you the,
0: a fan of New Year's weddings?
1: I actually am. Yeah, Only I would agree because you know, especially when I was younger, and I say younger, hell, I'm 31. Uh, you didn't have to make plans, right? And like figure right. out what bar are we going to, what overpriced drinks are mm-hmm. we going to get. It's like, let's go celebrate. All my friends are going to be there. We're going to get food. We're going to have more than likely an open bar. So you don't really have to make; it's already made for you.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I would, uh, I would agree, agree wholeheartedly with that. So yes, I'm a fan of it as well.
1: Uh, Colts Maniac's question, though, is not the poor decision making. It was our last drive. He believes Carson Wentz trying to play hero ball, could have run for some yards, and he and he missed a throw, both of which w- were zero positive yards. Feels like we should beat the Jags next week, but do you think? We can even get past the first round. And do you think the week without practice would have made a difference?
0: Yeah, you know, I referenced the practice earlier. I did think there were a couple times, Chris, that Wentz didn't run. You know, I'm like, some of the Houdini escapes are just wild. I mean, they're just, it's like, did he disappear? Did he shrink? Like, how did he do that? Um, I mean, then he got out there, and I'm like, dude, just run. Like, hell, maybe he's so tired from escaping all that chaos that, you know, he just makes a poor throw there. Uh, Do I think the Colts can get past the first round? You know, if you're going to ask me that on January 3rd, no. Um, Do I need to see matchups? Do I need to see the wild card round play out, all that? Yeah, but, again, I think you guys know this from listening. My biggest concern all year, um, concerns, plural, has been the pass rush and the quarterback play. And I am of the belief that if you're going to win multiple games in the postseason, particularly multiple games on the road, you've got to have a high level of quarterback play. I know so often people want to reference the Joe Flacco-Ravens Super Bowl. Go back and look at what Flacco did in those mm-hmm. playoff games. Yeah, He was incredible in those playoff games. It was absurd the numbers that he put up in the Ravens getting on that run there. It was not, you know— Whatever I don't even know who the running back was a Ray Rice then Ray Rice Ray and, Rice yeah and, and that defense like it wasn't just them so
1: and you mentioned those numbers on a previous I think the last podcast did I it. okay yeah. yeah
0: I mean they were just just absurd so um, that is what is concerning to me of uh, we just haven't seen wins in this in this environment now you know that first round matchups the Bengals I feel like a lot of people want to play the Bengals just because they're the Bengals I'm like this is not your older brother's Bengals I mean this is I think they've got the best, most diverse skill group in the NFL. Um,
1: I saw someone comparing them, and this is obviously, when you get into comparisons, and it's way early, said that they remind them of Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, and Edron James.
0: Um, It might sound asinine to some people, but I I sit here and kind of nod my head. Like There is some of that feel to it now. An absurdly long way to go until they fall into that category, but... Um, I like the tight end. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uzma, whatever his Yeah, name I can't is. either. Uh, I mean, Joe Mixon's a great back. And, I mean, they go deep into that wideout. T. Higgins was almost a colt. Um, I, I think if Pittman would have been gone, they, mm-hmm. they, they would have taken Higgins. So, um, had he been there as well. So, yeah, I, I think that, um, I don't know. You know, how I, I does Joe Burrow look in an NFL playoff game? You know, who who knows all those things. But, yeah, right now. Uh, Depending on matchup, I'm probably in the, you know, could definitely could win a game. Um, I wrote something last week about they have a blueprint to get it done in January. But I think to get it done and push forward, you're going to need more from the air attack. Or pray for bad weather.
1: You mentioned running into a listener from Ireland. Now we will talk about a question from a listener from Germany who appreciates all that you do because it keeps him up to date on the Colts. This one's from Justice. Hi, Kevin. What a brutal loss to the Raiders. Can you try and explain to me why the Colts took the timeouts to avoid the 10-second runoff after the review, review? From how I see it, the Colts would have had at least 20 to 30 seconds to answer if they had just accepted the runoff.
0: Well, Justin, I believe you um, – sounds like an NFL game coming to Germany, right? Is that so? I think so. I think so on that. Uh, I got a couple questions on this, and I'm a little confused by it. So, if I'm not mistaken, the play happened – and Renfro scored with. Well, I guess I can just look it up here on the old game book. Um, so he scores with. Uh, was it 42? 42, 42 seconds?
1: I think. 49, so they 42. They went so.
0: back and put 54 seconds on the clock. Okay. Because obviously he got up and ran. Um, or excuse me, it looks like they, they went back and put up 48 seconds on the clock. So. At that point, when Renfro goes down, the clock is still running. So Mm -hmm. you've got to take one timeout there to stop the initial first down. So there's your one timeout off the board. No 10 second runoff. There's no, I mean, no, it's not like there was a Colt penalty or a, I I don't, I thought 10 second runoff was only for an offensive penalty there. So there's your first timeout. Jacobs runs for two yards. You take your second timeout, 44 seconds to go. Jacobs runs for five yards. You take your final timeout with 39 seconds to go. Jacobs then runs for two yards on third down. They milk the clock down to two seconds. So, yeah, I had no no clock management question or anything about that. So
1: I was confused about it, too, just from what the announcers were saying, and it was all such a confusing time if you were got watching it. from home. Were they home. screwing some things up? They were mentioning a 10-second runoff in the booth, so.
0: Yeah, I got – I. No, I, I, I thought it was – I mean, once Renfro is deemed down after the first down, that starts the clock again once you get the chain set. Therefore, the Colts – that's why you wanted Renfro to score. Right. You know? I mean, you you wanted him to score a touchdown there and pray that you get four defensive pass interference penalties and you catch a touchdown.
1: Let's go to a question from Robbie. It says, he feels like Carson Wentz as a lock starter for next season is a coin flip. He's flashed some pretty good stuff. But he also has been pretty bad and pretty nine, mind-numbing bad, bad at that. Assuming we make the postseason, what needs to happen to erase any question marks around him going into next year?
0: Yeah, Robbie, you know, I think Matt asked something similar just about he was frustrated by Frank's lack of accountability. Again, uh, in terms of Carson, if you read it in, in between the lines with Frank, that's as harsh as he's going to be with his comments after the game. Um Carson Wentz is your starter in in 2022. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Um, you know, the thing that he continues to do really well, Chris, is protect the football. Uh, I'm sure he got away with one in the end zone, the ball to Hilton. Or who knows who it was too, but it ended up in Hilton's hands. Um, what does he need to do to erase any question marks? Boy, get on a big run and and, you know, put a lot on his plate and handle that on his plate. I mean, it's... It's a high standard. And it all comes back to the root of the question, Chris, of what do you want in your quarterback? What do you feel like you need in your quarterback? There's a lot of reasons to like this Colts football team. I wrote that story last week about the blueprint the Colts have from discipline to sound of special teams, a star at running back, a defense that I think for the most part has played decent this year um, at times, taking the ball over at an you know, insane level as well. But do you feel like you need more? Do you feel like you need a high-level play at quarterback? And if you sit there in that room, and I'm talking a Ballard, Reich, whoever in the room, Mm -hmm. then if that question is we need more, all right, you're either going to have to go out and find wideouts and tight ends to support him better and give him the opportunity to tap into that to play off of Jonathan Taylor and his incredible production. Or, and again, I don't think it's going to come to this, or you need to, you know – go in a different direction at quarterback, which obviously they're not going to do. They have too much invested at in that quarterback. But that's the age-old debate of when the Colts went out and got Wentz, the question so often was, who else were you going to get? That's what I constantly heard. And to me, that's such a lazy question to ask. Yes, who else were you going to get? Sure, Carson Wentz in terms of the best available, I don't know, outside of Stafford, um, and there was some one – in particular very important decision maker in the Colts building that didn't want Stafford, that Wentz was the guy. But, again, if that question is, are we an opportunity right now to try and find a franchise quarterback that can push the ceiling of this football team at a very high level? There might be growing pains, and you might have to give up a good amount, but, again, we feel like we can get to that level. That is the question that needs to be asked, not the who else – who else? What else are we going to get? You know, he's the best that we that, that we could have done. I just think that that, that's a bit lazy. You know, if you really wanted to mortgage things, you could have got into the Safford sweepstakes. Um, if you want to be a little bit more patient with trust in developing, you could have traded up in the draft. So, um, I think Carson Wentz has been okay this season. At times, I think his ability to protect the football has put him in the better-than-average category, but the level of play we've seen from him this season to me is not at the level you need to go deep in the playoffs and do it on an annual basis.
1: Got a two-parter from Brian. The first one, he says, if you don't know, that's totally fine. And that question would be, why did the Colts go away from the huge full-field American flag to start the game?
0: Huh. I mean, it looks pretty big to me. Did it used to be the full-field?
1: I think it used to be I don't remember. I never went to every game though, and sometimes yeah. they don't show you the national anthem. Right. So,
0: I mean, I've been to every game. Well, yeah, I think I've missed one home game in the last eleven or twelve years. I, I, I feel like it's big, and I, I mean, yesterday's I, was. I know it's not. It doesn't take up the whole corner of the fifty, whatever right. it is, fifty-three by a hundred field. I don't know. Is that like a timing thing? Like it takes you, you know, an extra minute to. <laughs> Crumble it up isn't the right word, but I don't know. Fold it back together and then get all those people off. Like I, I, I've talked to people that have held the flag. Like there are some pretty strict. Like you do this, you do that. Because I mean, timing is everything. The NFL wants all those games to kick off at the same time. They want the John Madden tributes to play at the same time around the league. Like you know, all those things. So, um, but yeah, uh, I
1: I, think it might be time. Timing might be right.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, I think the Colts have one of the, the bigger flags in the league. If we're gonna argue that. Uh, Sorry, what was the second one?
1: Second one is, if uh, Phillip Rivers was our quarterback, would the Colts be better, worse, or about the same?
0: They'd probably be a a little better record-wise, maybe a win or two. But at the same time, Chris, Wentz gives you the better, the, the, the higher ceiling, you know. Rivers is not making that play in Arizona. And to me, you need someone that has the ability to make those plays to try and do something extraordinary. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you'd be a better football team in terms of record with with Phillip Rivers, especially with, again, Taylor's giving you even more <laughs> mm-hmm. than Rivers got last year from him as well.
1: This one comes from Jake. What does it say about Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, and Carson Wentz that the Philadelphia Eagles have already clinched a playoff spot with a much worse roster, and the Colts are in a position to potentially miss it?
0: Uh, I, I think it says nothing. I, I I don't I mean, it's the NFC. I don't like I was as shocked as probably anyone when all of a sudden someone told me, "Oh, yeah, the Eagles just clinched a playoff berth." I'm like, "Wow."
1: <laughs> and then their fans almost killed their quarterback.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's the uh that that's the state of the NFC right now. Like uh that's what well, that's what gets in the playoffs. So good on Nick Nick Sirianni. I mean, I had questions about him as a head coach, and that's a really strong first season, but mm-hmm. I just feel like those final few spots of the NFC, it's like some teams have got to get in. I mean, hell, Arizona clinched a spot with what three weeks to go after a loss, you know, yeah. like that. Was, so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Jake. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think we're reading a lot into it. If what happens to the NFC, they're in a very easy division, the NFC East, and in general, the NFC has just had a pretty, pretty top-heavy year with four or five teams running away from everybody else, mm-hmm. and then. You know, the first one to 500 wins. So I think the AFC is a better conference in terms of depth, uh, not top line, but I think depth-wise, I think the AFC is the better conference.
1: This next one comes from Mac. First off, he wants to wish you and your family a happy new year and hopes everything is going well.
0: Appreciate that, Mac. Same to you and, and all of our listeners and yeah. their families out there.
1: He doesn't try to ride the highs and lows too much in talking about Carson Wentz. He's not necessarily sold on Carson Wentz, but he doesn't feel like he's the worst option out there. It seems like Carson Wentz doesn't believe in himself the way that Frank Reich does. What are your thoughts there? And then to follow up, what's your confidence that we'll beat the Jaguars for the first time in Jacksonville since 2014 to secure a playoff spot?
0: Yeah, You know, Mac, I'll change every diaper Rosie has for the next year if the Colts lose. I mean, Jacksonville stinks. They are god-awful. I get that people are, oh, we haven't won there since 2014. Like... History, it's it's a nice thing to note. No bearing on this content. I mean, hell, the last game in Jacksonville was what thirty some games ago. It was the season opener last year. You know how different both of these football teams are. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, as far as Wentz, what's he say? I'm not sold on Wentz, but it just seems like he doesn't believe in himself the way Frank does. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair to maybe have some questions about Wentz a little bit mentally. You know, Chris, I think it was a big question out of Philly, just like fundamentally, where he was at. Um, So, I think that's something to kind of worry a little bit about of just when those things break down. Does that hurt his confidence? I thought the Arizona game, and Jeff Saturday referenced this when we had him on the show. I thought at times you saw him not trust what was in front of him, O-line-wise, which – It's understandable. I mean, there's so many backups in that game. Uh, But I think that impacts fundamentally where he's at. And I mean, Frank is always going to have an insane amount of belief. I always find it fascinating. You know, Frank wants to keep aggressive. He loves to be aggressive late in the game, even when he's up. Um, He's a big believer in throwing the football late. It's interesting to watch him in those situations this year and see how he calls plays with Carson. Or does he continue to follow that? We had a question on the morning show today of. You know, is Frank blinded by Carson a bit? I, You guys have heard me say, I think that Carson's the son Frank never had. And, you know, I, again, I know that sounds like a creepy comment, but I do believe it. Um, I, I just think Frank has an insane amount of conviction and belief in all of his players, uh, which is great. I think 95% of the time it gets a little dicey when you do make hard decisions. Um, but, yeah, that's a good question.
1: Josh is wondering, what's the difference between Carson Wentz's amazing off-balance slash off-platform throws and his terrible ones? Is it really as simple as sometimes he makes them and sometimes he doesn't?
0: Yeah, Josh, I I think it's – like, look at that Patman play. The Patman play is off script. He's not thinking you're free. He's just being an athlete, and he's got incredible athletic ability. I mean, I remember on those early podcasts during training camp, Chris – I was just like, guys, I don't know if this sounds accurate, but I'm trying to paint a picture for you. This dude can whip that ball around the field. Like, he is just a fluid throw over the football. He's got the different arm angles and, like, I mean, all of that is just so God-given. But, like, I think there are times, too, when you get in the huddle, Chris, and you know that your first read is like, all right, Michael Pittman on this crosser, Michael Pittman on this slant, and you start thinking about it thinking about it, it's what you drill, it's what you practice, and you become a little bit too mechanical. And then all of a sudden, that interior rush bumps you a little bit off your spot, and now your footwork breaks down. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him get on, uh, the Colts kind of get him outside of the pocket a little bit more, and just kind of using him as, I think he's a decent thrower on the run. Mm-hmm. And then he can also obviously use his legs in those moments. Like We saw it yesterday even, when he kept it a few times on his RPOs, the Raiders weren't really accounting for him in those moments. So I needed to got something um, to kind of grade him on. But, yeah, it's – I think it comes back to a little bit of mental. Just like when you're thinking, okay, three-step, five-step. I've repped this so often. Here it is. Like I know full well where where I'm going with it. And, like, you just try to guide it, you know? Like picturing a dartboard at a, at a, you know, church festival. Mm-hmm. Just like you're just guiding it up there to win, you know, whatever prize where – you know, the the drunk dad, the coaching CYO comes over, and you know he's just <laughs> winging it, and he drills that bullseye, and you know wants to tell you story. Still got now. it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. His <laughs> six point four points he averaged coming off the bench for a JV team.
1: Uh, five more to go. This one's from Jason. He like all of us is eating up everything shown in Hard Knocks, especially the coaching situations. Is anything that we're seeing something that's special? Or is all this pretty much commonplace in the NFL?
0: Um, I mean, I do think the Colts are an extremely close football team that have a ton of self-motivated players, and the high character thing is no bullshit. Like, I am a firm believer in that. And honestly, it's a Chris Ballard aspect of roster building that I kind of just was like, oh, that's nice that he says that. You know, a lot of people say they act on it, and I think we're all seeing that. Uh, you know as far as the coaching stuff or like the you know the i mean i think all of it's pretty natural you know the brian baker's and the and brian baker's a goofy dude he's a nuts hilarious guy the few times i've been able to uh to talk in him uh or talk with him but like those cameras if i'm not mistaken chris all the meeting room cameras they're all just kind of fixed up into a corner yeah and you know you've got a little joystick and you can figure it out afterwards it's not like there's Chris Presley, the cameraman who's in charge of the running back's room today, and he's walking around like, mm-hmm. you know, the principal would come in and evaluate your teacher back in the day. Like, I, I don't think it's that at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've i been – I love hard knocks, man. I, I think it's been awesome. I, you know, I think it's just going to be – I think it's awesome for fans, and I think I'm also curious to see just kind of what other players think about the Colts around the league. You know, does that all of a sudden peak interest for, you know, players – um, you know, possibly want them to team up or you yeah. know join. I, I know we don't necessarily hear that as much, but in free agency, can that be another weapon for the for the Colts? Right.
1: This one comes from Garrett. In your opinion, what might separate Jonathan Taylor from other elite running backs who quickly fell off the elite status? He mentions Gurley, Eddie Lacy, Ezekiel Elliott even. It says even good running backs just seem to become irrelevant within two years in the NFL.
0: Garrett, it's a totally fair question. Obviously, you think about a second contract coming up, Chris, you know, with him. You know, with those names in general, I would just say that Taylor has the speed element that certainly Eddie Lacy, um, don't think Todd Gurley ever had that full gear. Um, even Zeke, I, I would like to, th- I mean, Taylor's more in the 4-3 can. Like, when Taylor had that 18-yard run yesterday, the dude was just shot out of a cannon, mm-hmm. just like, then the extra the run, he had the lateral movement. Where he kind of jump cut to his left. Yeah. Then obviously you saw the play to end the first half. Like that was speed, lateral, power in one quarter of football. And just I, I just think that's right. Really, I think what really separates him though, I do think he's wired very differently. Like I've never heard a human being say the word prehab more in my life than Taylor. I've told the story before about how they get back from a Wisconsin road game and you know, he's not thinking about you know, do we have enough natty light in the fridge? And you know, make sure that Betty Sue doesn't show up to this party. But if she's at that <laughs> party, I'll be happy. You know, whatever that. You know, this dude's going in the ice bath, and just he's just he's just a uniquely wired individual. And again, Gurley, Lacy, Zeke, I'm not gonna pretend to know how they are, but I just think all of that. You put all of that together, I think Colts fans should be optimistic. Taylor can continue this deeper into his 20s than most. Granted it's a position that Father Time has just absolutely dominated, so that that would worry you.
1: CMC emphatically wants to know, where is Dio Odangbo? He doesn't know if he's hurt or what, but I feel like I have not seen him in a few weeks.
0: He's playing 54 out there. Uh, Made a play yesterday. I'm trying to think of when it was, but, um, yeah, I mean, he was, I think they take Grover Stewart off the field, bring Dio in for some nickel snaps and, yeah, I mean, he he, he plays. I, I know the production hasn't been there. Um, but I'm not shocked by it again. I mean, this is a guy that's coming off a torn Achilles or whatever. But, no, he's definitely out there.
1: Country boy Eddie, the name of this this listener. Do you think there's any chance that T.Y. Hilton gets one more year? Still seems to be our second best and reliable receiver. Would love to see him seek one final hurrah And also – does the NFL Do NFL players ever get the ceremonial-type final year, similar to what the NBA and MLB players have gotten recently?
0: Boy, that's a great second part. I don't recall many NFL players getting a ceremonial treatment, Chris. Do you? I don't. You know, one of my favorite sports memories growing up, and at the time I didn't really get it, but now as the years have gone on and I'm such a loser and I dial up old YouTube videos, do you remember Reggie Miller's last game here, Pistons playoffs? Uh, yes. Pretty competitive series. Um, I think, I want to say the Pacers lost like four games to two or something like that. Home game here over at, I don't know, Conseco, I guess maybe it was Banker's life at that point. Well,
1: I think it was Conceco. Yeah, still. it was
0: probably still Conceco. Same building, I should say. Yes. A different name. Um, and... I don't know, Carlisle. What's your coach? I guess uh, Carlisle <laughs> takes Reggie out, and there's like 15 seconds to go, and they're down eight. You know, so this is it. you are taking him out for one final time. Crowd gives him standing ovation, and I thought this was one of the coolest moments. Larry Brown, the Pistons head coach, he then takes another timeout, and he gets his whole team to walk out on the floor, and clap and continue the standing ovation for Reggie. And I got some hair on the back of my neck stand up right now, telling that story. And it's a great YouTube clip. It's a blurry clip, but Mm -hmm. Reggie emotional on the bench. And, you know, know, Carmel and Center Grove moms crying everywhere in the stands and and, and all that. And, like, it's just – like, that stuff about sports you absolutely love. NFL, you just – yeah. I know there's people mad that Washington didn't put up a tribute video for Ryan Kerrigan yesterday. Kerrigan came back and, you know, uh, Eagles-Washington game there. So, yeah, I – I don't think so. Um it's just hard to do in the NFL when like every game matters yeah. to so much. I know that might seem a little bit too cutthroat, but um Yeah, I I'm guessing here, I, I think I I think yesterday was it for Hilton. I mean there's multiple layers to it. One, he could retire. Two, he could go somewhere else in free agency. Or three, the Colts could say, We don't want you back. Yeah. I mean the Colts almost, the Colts said that to him at times this offseason you know very close to going to Baltimore so do you when they announce the offense is Hilton usually the last guy announced I thought I thought it was Taylor a few weeks ago
1: Do they mix it up I'm trying to remember I am normally pretty amped up from the anvil and <laughs> yes. getting the nachos and
0: <laughs> Yeah I know it's probably something I should pay pay more attention to but he Taylor's was yesterday and, I, and people tweet at me like oh he usually is I thought Taylor was announced last for that New England game But I don't know um, Yeah, it's just But boy, you hear Hilton's answers He's like, I'll do whatever Jack Doyle does I'm like, okay Oh, wow That's quite the, you know You're basing your decision off of Totally somebody else Doyle has another year on his contract For what it's worth but
1: And again, like you said He can retire He was uh, was potentially going to this year anyway
0: I mean, Chris, when you talk about Like where a player was drafted It's one of the greatest careers in Colts history Yeah I mean, into the third round, so many people questioned him about the competition and the durability and all of that and what he was able to do for a deck. I mean, Mathis is atop that list in terms of where you were drafted. But you factor that in, you know, playing for so many different quarterbacks and obviously hasn't been the same player here as of late. But, oh, yeah, I mean, you will never hear me say a bad word about Hilton and the career he had.
1: Last one comes from Bailey. Going into the season, how would you feel about going four and one, four and one against at Buffalo, New England, at Arizona, home against Tampa Bay? Uh,
0: great. I mean, beyond great. That's you know, we, we we haven't mentioned you know, can you beat good teams like that? Hasn't that that storyline is has ended to a degree? Um, obviously, the quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. Tom Brady, you know, three of those four, you know, even I, I think Mac Jones is a pretty good quarterback. Uh, I think the biggest key right now—it's been really impressive to me, Chris—is you sit here and look at the standings. Two things. First off, Baltimore losing yesterday was so massive. I, I don't know if people understood the magnitude of that game in terms of the standings and whatnot. That was just monumental. Them, uh, I th- think they had a lead late, didn't? Like Odell Beckham catch a fourth down or something against the Rams yeah. or for the Rams. Yep. So, the other thing that has the Colts in this great position. They swept the AFC East, and really, they beat all those teams by double digits, too. But like Miami, I mean, think about it, if Miami would have won that game. Now, all of a sudden, they're still in the mix, and they've got the tiebreaker over you, the Buffalo game. I mean, Buffalo and New England are both in the dance. One of them will be a wild card. One of them will win the East. Correct. You know, that other wild card team, they could drop in the, in the uh, pecking order if they're head-to-head with the Colts, so... Um, the Colts have had an easier schedule or a harder schedule this year. It hasn't been daunting, daunting, but the fact that they have just they closed out the year in the fashion that they did with those wins. How many times do we say? it? Can they go five and two to close out the year? You're four and two. Here you are, I mean, it's you know, it's it's about as much on a platter for you as as you could hope for. Right. Um, you win, you get in, and as we always say, man. And you'll hear me say this a week from Monday if we do the podcast. There is no better feeling as a fan in sports when your team has a chance. And once you get in, the beauty of the NFL, much more so than other professional sports leagues, and hell, certainly in college football right now, when your team gets in it, crazy S-H-I-T can happen. Yeah. So that is the beauty of it.
1: All right. That's all we have for Twitter questions.
0: Okay. um, Let's stick with Monday. Again, I know depending on the wild card schedule, the Colts could play on a variety of days next week, assuming they do. Uh, will I regret the having to do Rosie Bow's diapers for all of 2022?
1: No, because I was thinking about it. You probably will luck out because I would imagine she would be close to potty training uh, time gosh. around then, so no. you wouldn't. Technically, have diapers for a certain amount of time. She
0: didn't pee on the floor. of The condo in in uh, <laughs> in Florida at at one point, she has peed on our floor a couple. So times. I guess more cleaning uh, food I, I I I'm to go out on a limb, Chris. I think Rosie Bow will be in diapers throughout 2022. Okay. Um. Yeah, I should probably. No, I was gonna say check the schedule. <laughs> check the <laughs> schedule. You know. Yeah. You know, nothing says I'm more of a routine human being than that. Um. I just.
1: We gotta, you gotta right? win, you got to. Right. Trevor Lawrence threw the league-leading interception yesterday. No real coach. Teams in turmoil. They're just trying to get out of the year.
0: Just yeah. Seriously. We'll see. Um,
1: Thoughts on Big Ben's last game tonight? Potential. I mean, it, sh- it is going to be. His yeah, last game, right? that
0: dude. You Yeah, know, Yeah, he's. Yeah, he's carrying his own bag up the 18th hole. Um, boy, you Colts need the Browns. If Pittsburgh wins two. If you were to lose, if Pittsburgh wins their last two, they could factor into this as whatever. Um, ben, fine career. You know, I, I I respect the hell out of his toughness. I love the Mac feel. I don't necessarily respect everything about him. We don't need to go down that mm-hmm. path. But um, yeah, it, I enjoy watching the Steelers play football. I know it's not the prettiest, but I like a good slobber knocker here or there. And um, so yeah, Browns officially eliminated. So yeah, yeah, five for two left in the AFC. Uh, two for one, 49ers and Saints in the NFC for that final spot. Here's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody, hope that you had a great time with the family over the past week or so. Sorry about no pod last week. That was all on me for traveling a little bit. Uh, But we'll continue Kevin's Corner throughout the offseason, throughout the rest of this season as well. And uh, we'll see where it takes us moving forward. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next Monday on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.